good, all that is sacred, and in the warm and loving energy of this community, Spiritual Life Center. If you're joining us for the first time, we especially want to welcome you because we know that you are not here by accident. You're here by divine appointment. Thank you for joining us on your unique path today, and we hope you enjoy this special message from this past Sunday's service. You know, I think one of the unique contributions that we make to the spiritual conversation here at uh, Spiritual Life Center and in the New Thought Movement as a whole is our metaphysical interpretation of the Bible. When we talk about metaphysics, there's lots of definitions, but for my purposes, I'm talking about something that's beyond the physical, beyond the literal interpretation that's on the words of the page. Because we can look at all of the stories and realize that they're symbols of something going on within us. We can look at the people, the the places, the names even, and realize that they are for our spiritual growth. They symbolize something going on in our own life. I used to have a lot of resistance to this idea of the Bible because often people try to make a point And oftentimes, I would look at it as being a way to engage in religious abuse. But then once I learned that the story represents states and stages of our consciousness, I realized it's a great tool for our spiritual growth as well. So today, I'm just going to look at a story that's in the Bible as we lead into the talk for the day that comes from the Gospel of John, the third chapter and the first verse. And it's about Nicodemus. I think Nicodemus was mentioned a little earlier. and mentioned that Nicodemus was a Pharisee. And metaphysically, a Pharisee was an individual who followed the letter of the law, but not necessarily the spirit of the law. Anyway, Nicodemus, in the middle of the night, snuck up to see this teacher called Jesus. Because he saw that Jesus, as well as all the people around him, were celebrating, were were radiating some special energy regarding the presence of God. And he saw that they were radiating as evidenced by all the wonderful things that were happening around him and his disciples. So Nicodemus wanted to know what was going on. And Nicodemus was an intellectual, and, and an intellectual that didn't necessarily have a lot of spiritual understanding. And him coming into the night, night meant spiritual darkness. And so Nicodemus had studied all the scriptures and studied all the stuff, but the spiritual demonstrations that he saw from Jesus and all the people around him was not happening in his life. And it gnawed at him a little bit. So he went to go see this guy and because he said he must know something. 
So he snuck to see him in the middle of the night so nobody else would see him doing that. After all, he couldn't let other people know that he was going to see him because after all, he was with the, the Pharisees and they already knew everything. So they went to him, so he went to the Jesus and he asked him, what is the deal? What are you doing? And Jesus said something to the effect, except ye be born again, you cannot see the kingdom of God. Except ye be born of the water of the spirit, you cannot enter the kingdom of God. And that's not a place, but a state of awareness. And he was saying pretty much that unless there's a radical shift in your perception, unless there's a movement in your consciousness, you will not understand what we're talking about or what we're doing here. Because spiritual things have to be spiritually discerned. He was talking about a transformational theology. He was talking about transforming our life by renewing of our minds. And so Nicodemus was being told by Jesus, you must change. You must make a different perspective. You must shift your perception." And when you pray, it's not about changing anything outside of you. It's about an interchange within your soul so that this ever-expanding good that we call heaven can be actualized in your life. He was telling him, you got to be more. Be more yourself. Something must happen within you. There must be a shift or a transformation in your awareness or consciousness. And when we talk about transformation, we're talking about going beyond our previous formation of our life. Sometimes our transformation begins when we have a spiritual experience. And we begin to see things differently. We begin to create a new dream for our life. You know, I've had a, several in my life. I always tell people that if I had to list a thousand things that would be in my life, being a minister would not be one of them, but somehow, some way, this universe directed me in this direction. I don't know how that happened. I'm still confused. <laughs> but there's several things that happened in my own experience. You know, uh, you know, I went through my own dark night of the soul and, you know, my, my rehabs and so forth. And, you know, it happened when I I was thinking about the 12-step programs. You know, when you go to the fifth step, when you got to share with another individual all the things you've done wrong and how I resisted that. But when I did, something happened. I remember that I had to let go of all the guilt that I had for all the things I had done. I had to forgive myself, and it created a clearing for me. Something happened. And those things set me up to a time that I had what they call the oneness experience. And everything around me collapsed into a sea of oneness. I couldn't explain it to any other person person, but I tried to, and I was telling them, you know, guess what happened? I met God. I saw God, and they looked at me and said, okay, well, uh, let us tell you about our problems. And somebody asked me, you know, uh, later, I asked them later on, well, when I was saying this stuff, I was so exuberant about what you were thinking about me, and somebody said, well, I knew that you weren't trying to fool us, but we just thought you were crazy, so we, we just went on our way. Anyway, there was a transformational experience. And I never saw the world quite the same, not in the same light anymore, because I was different. Most transformations don't necessarily happen in a flash. Usually it's gradual. It's gradual over time. So today I'm just going to share like three God lines 
to transformation. And I came up with that idea because some, a couple of people at one time meant to say guidelines, and they said Godlines, and I said, that will make a good talk. <laughs> so we're going to talk about Godlines for transformation. And so the first Godline, that we must have an open mind. There's a story about a, a musician, and she was a director of a wonderful musical program, and, and she had the best music, you know, not as good as ours, but very good. You know, she had 175 people in, the, in her choral group, and she was at a conference, and somebody asked her, well, how did you do it? And she said, well, I don't know. But I do know that when I don't know anything, God can tell me everything. She had an open mind. She demonstrated the power of having a truly open mind or to have what the Zen tradition tells us is a beginner's mind, which I believe is critical for our transformation or for anyone who's seeking to grow spiritually. The beginner's mind is an attitude of openness and curiosity where you and I approach things without preconceptions, approach things without prejudgment, kind of a clean slate. And this mindset helps us learn more effectively. It helps us connect more deeply and to inspire greater creativity. Understand, when we have that open mind, we release our attachment to the rigidly held beliefs and we allow ourselves to tap into that universal, infinite knowledge that is there. In other words, we don't know everything. So when we realize that, we're open to receiving new insights, new ideas that can lead to a deeper understanding of ourselves and the world around us. I don't know if you know people that you can't tell them anything because they know everything. And so lead them people alone. You know, it kind of reminds me of uh, the Chen, the, the uh, philosophy and the Zen philosophy in which there was a uh, Zen teacher. And the Zen teacher had a professor who he was going to teach him the Zen way of being. And the professor was talking about all the things that he knew and so forth and going on and on and on. And after the professor had finished, the master poured a, some tea out of a kettle into a cup. And he was pouring and pouring and pouring until the cup overflowed. And then the learned man said, uh, Master, the cup is overflowing. You can't pour any more into it. And the master replied, well, your mind is like this cup. If it is full of your own opinions and preconceptions, how can I teach you anything? You must first empty your cup. So it's letting go of what we think we know as an important part of really having a transformational experience. We have to be like, uh, as I mentioned from time to time, if you remember Hogan's hero, Captain Schultz, and he would say, I know nothing. I know nothing. Got to go in there with that attitude, that perspective. Knowing nothing. And that's the first key to guidelines for us to have a transformational experience. It makes us available to the limitless possibilities that are always around us. 
And then the second guideline, we have to ask ourselves spiritually empowering questions. And these questions will reveal our higher purpose. I believe these revelations happen when our mind is, like I said, open and not rigidly attached to old beliefs. I think this is what Nicodemus did. He recognized something extraordinary was going on. And he let go of his highfalutin learning and asked Jesus, how can I enter this expanding good of heaven? How can I get what you have and those people around you? You know, there's a, you know, before this previous life, I used to be a lawyer. Forgive me, for, I know not what I do. <laughs> No, it's a good lawyer. Sometimes I still watch some of the, uh, you know, the, the, the high-profile trials because I did a little criminal work just to see what the perspective is. But it kind of reminded me of a man who had been put in prison. And he had been put in prison for a crime he did not do. And he, thus, he knew for sure that they were going to discover the mistake. Uh, but it never happened. And all this time when he was this sitting there in prison for something he did not do, you know, he became more angry, he more resentful, and a lot of negative energy was coming from him. Because the first five years he was there, he just knew that any day somebody was going to come, open up the door, and let him out. But none of that ever happened. And then on the fifth year, he decided to do something different. He decided to look into the mirror. He decided that he's going to look at himself and say, what can I eradicate within my soul? What can I release that is somehow causing me to create the conditions for this to happen for me or through me, being set up by the police and so forth? He was going to go about eradicating anything in his awareness that would bring into manifestation this kind of situation in his life, not to you know, uh, to, to, to let anybody off the hook, so to speak, but to realize where is it in my own consciousness am I creating conditions for this to happen? And then, then after that, for 12 years, he worked on himself. And he did not allow his past experience to come into his present moment. He checked himself. And as a result, he became free even though he was still in prison. He became aware of the great power within him while he was incarcerated. And his talents began to flourish. The art within him began to flourish. The peace within began to flourish. And so for those 12 years, though his body was incarcerated, he was a free man. And he walked out with the Buddha smile on his face, wondering why Everybody on the outside of the walls of the jail were still in prison because they were concerned about the small stuff, the nicks on their cars, people cutting them off. They were allowing those things to control them. And he was saying that they were the ones who were in jail, even though their bodies were free. I think he taught that, you know, uh, what he learned to others who happened to be incarcerated and how to be free even if your body is not. And he went from why me to use me. I believe we all have the same purpose, to reveal the face of God in a way that has never happened before in our lives, that'll take us beyond our previous held beliefs. 
I believe we reveal that purpose through our unique gifts, talents, and capabilities, and the universe will answer any empowering question that we place before it. When I talk about empowering questions, I'm talking about questions such as, what is God's idea for my life? What is the expression of God is seeking to express through me, as me, for me? And I think when we ask questions like that, we begin to catch glimpses, we catch insights, we catch signs in response. What we don't want to do is ask questions like, why me? And I always say, when people ask, say that question, uh, well, why not you? Who would you suggest? (laughs) We don't want to ask questions like, what's wrong? Who's to blame? What happens, we end up getting answers from what I call the database of the collective human unconscious that reflects our disconnection from the presence of God. We're disconnected from our source. That's why I was taught by one of my teachers to never, ever talk about how bad things are to anyone unless you're trying to get an agreement in consciousness, an agreement in prayer to change that consciousness. You know, in our, on our board, we read a book, we're reading a book called The 12 or the 15 Commitments of Conscious Leadership. And there's a chapter in there that talks about the idea that rather than complain about all the things that may go, go on, you have to flip how you see it and see it as an invitation to come up higher, to do more, to express more. And I think this approach is potent and a powerful way in transforming our life. And it takes a discipline, a training, to not talk about how bad things are, maybe in our life, in our state of affairs, in our world, or whatever it may be, unless we're trying to get an agreement in consciousness about the truth about the spiritual idea behind what we're seeing, about the potentiality, the opportunity, unless we have the opportunity to see how the universe is working together for our good despite the appearances. Because if we're not trying to get an agreement on that level, all we're doing is exacerbating the sense of separation. And we're buying into old fears and decisions and ultimately denigrating this opportunity for us to reveal more heaven which we know is expansion of good. You know, one of the things that I found to be helpful to do this, and this is, it sounds really simple, uh, but I have to tell you, it ain't easy. And that is just to go 21 days without a complaint. I tried that the first time, and I walked out the door before the first hour went by. I was already complaining, and I said, this is impossible. But if you try that over and over and over again, something in your life will begin to transform. I know a lot of people, if they do that, the only way they can get through it is to have 21 days of silence because they're not used to saying anything (laughs) unless there's a complaint coming out of their mouth. But whatever works, do us all some good and just be silent for a while. I think in that state, we get clarity of what our purpose is. In that situation, it takes us from where we are to where our spirit and our souls long to be. So we ask these questions like, who do we need to become in consciousness? What qualities must I embody to get there? 
We become invested in being rather than just doing. Because we are human beings. We're not human doings. You know, we got to get the sequence right. First, we be something. Then we do something. Then we have something. Rather than thinking that we have to have it, then we'll do certain things, and then we'll be able to, you know, be a certain way. We don't want to do that because we can never have permanently we're not we're not willing to become that's impossible unless we earn something by way of our awareness our consciousness we'll probably lose it it'll fritter away this is where the transformation is most important if we don't have that inner transformation then we may get some good fortune Something may drop in our lap, you know, financially, a job, a right partner. At least we think we're the right partner. And we may end up losing it because we have not earned it by right of our own awareness. That's why we ask empowering questions. And that's the second God line for transformation. Ask empowering spiritual questions. And the third guideline, there's so many more, but I'm just going to a few today, is that it may be this the most important one. And we talk about this in the practices all the time, but some things just bear repeating. And that's prayer. It's the greatest technology for change and transformation known to humanity. But there's certain traits and qualities and characteristics that we want to make part of our prayer life. Because whenever we're facing a challenge or a circumstance, you know, something in our life that we do not want or like. We don't want to take the challenge or circumstance into the prayer. Do not take them into the challenges or the circumstances into the prayer. You know, there's sometimes people who have, uh, you know, they got their rituals. You know, they like their candles and their incense and they may have their special garb on, they spin around a few times and face to what production they think is necessary. And then they go right back to the problem, right back to the circumstance. We don't want to do that. You know, when we engage in prayer, we want to impress something on our subconscious mind. That's what I think Garland was talking about last week that sets a new direction in our life. We don't want to do something that's contrary to where we want to go. We want to go to that secret place of the most high that place of infinite possibility, no longer thinking about the circumstance, no longer thinking about the problem, but to simply get still. And in there, we understand there's emptiness there. They call that the promised land. It's written about in the Bible. When there's the promised land, there's nothing there obstructing us. There's nothing but all possibilities, a wide open field. We go into that void or the gap as others talk about. And we allow the Spirit of God to speak through us about the possibilities and say yes to those possibilities. What we want to do is say yes to our good. We want to say yes to our health and wholeness. We want to say yes to spiritual abundance and well-being. Just say that to yourself on a regular basis. In fact, we can do that right now. We don't have to wait. Just repeat after me. I say yes to my good. I say yes to wholeness and health. I say yes to my spiritual abundance. We don't wait. 
We do it right now. Then out of seemingly no things, something is revealed. The invisible becomes visible. Here's the key to effectual prayer, to transform our subconscious. Understand when it comes to prayer, the feeling is everything. The ideas are impressed on the subconscious through the medium of feeling. And no idea can be expressed on the subconscious until it is felt. So oftentimes I say, you know, if you want to get the feeling, think of something in your life that you had a very strong, positive energy about. And if you want something different to happen in your life, you not only affirm it, but you associate that affirmation with that event. And I was sharing earlier that, you know, even though it's been over 20-some years, when my son was born, I was in the hospital with him. That was a God experience. I felt the depth of my soul. So when I associate that with something that I want to see unfold in my life, then it enhances and anchors that energy, and the feeling becomes deep. Because once the idea is felt, whether that idea is good or bad or indifferent, it must be expressed. Feeling is the one and only medium through which ideas are conveyed to our subconscious mind. As I like to say, it don't mean a thing if it ain't got that feeling. <laughs> if it ain't got that feeling, they said don't mean a thing unless you got that swing. It don't mean a thing unless you got that feeling. You got to feel it deep within your soul. So God line number three, pray knowing that the feeling is everything. Well, as I close out, you know, we were reminded that our purpose collectively as a community and for ourselves is to have transformed lives and make a positive difference in the world. And as we sit in our little room, as we sit in our prayer rooms and think about the belief that we cannot have a positive effect on the world, but understand that we live in what I call a holographic representation of God. In other words, all that God is, we are, and we're connected with that. And as we transform our little life, wherever we may be, we make a positive difference in our part of the universe. We are at the same time transforming the whole world in some way, shape, or form, either mystically or quantumly, right where we are. Because no matter what, if we are lifted up, we bring that same energy to everyone else, and the whole world in some way is lifted up. So we come here to practice these guidelines, to practice the work that Garland pointed out last week. We come to learn from our classes. We meditate. We commune with the Spirit of living God regularly. And as we do our transformational work, it begins to take place not because we're making transformation happen. We're creating the conditions to make the result inevitable. And we realize we're different. We can look back on our life and see how far spirit has brought us. And you say to yourself, oh, my God, that used to be me. You look at those old pictures in your phone and say, oh, delete them. That is not who I am today. And people will look at you and see the God presence, causing them to see truth of their own being. This is what happened with Nicodemus. They saw something within himself. It activated something within himself. Because those who see us will see the God that we worship. 
So we need not to be on the path of trying to convert others by waking up early in the morning and knocking on doors and saying, come follow this way. Instead, you let your light so shine before men and women that they see the presence of God within you. And they come knocking on your door and they say, what happened to you? You know, you, you, you had some kind of illness last year and now you're, you're doing magnificent. What happened? You had some financial challenges last year, and now you're doing better than ever. What happened? There were some tragedies that you had in your life but last year, and now you're looking better than ever. You're standing straight and tall. What happened? We get to so glow with the presence of God. We want to constantly participate in our own transformation process that we need not convert. All we need to do is glow. All we need to do is radiate. And all the folks around you, they'll drop their tools and follow you to spiritual life center. <laughs> and we get to announce to all and sundry that life is magnificent because life is of God. And God is good. And we spread this energy all over the planet. And as we practice God lines of truth, we begin to see it happen. So it is. Peace out. We are grateful for the opportunity to share with you today and hope you've taken something from this Sunday's message. If you'd like to hear more from Spiritual Life Center, be sure to click subscribe on the podcast platform you're listening from. You can find out more about our community on our website at www.slcworld.org. We look forward to being a part of your continued spiritual journey. Wherever you are, God is, and all is well. Spiritual Life Center